This is the Gambling Gauchos. You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos. Talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. We've got everything you need. Money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan? That'll be the day. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro, The money line matadors. The casino cowboys. The parlay picadors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns, and those who dig. You dig. With the gambling gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been. Welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Rowe. He's Kyle Jacobson. The Uniform Authority. Uh, tough, uh, tough loss. Yeah. <laughs> no, way, no way around it. Yeah, a lot of ground to cover. A lot of ground to cover. Let's just jump right in. Uh, first of all, we're in the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Uh, as we always are when we're recording these Gambling Gauchos podcasts, you can gear up for Texas Tech football games. Texas coming to town this weekend. You can jump in there and get your Gambling Gauchos shirts or hats. They're in person on uh, 60th and 60-ish. The loop and slide. Right past the loop. Right outside the loop and slide. Right side of the road if you're heading south. Uh, or you can go to Plainview. Plainview. Plano. I hadn't said that in a long time. We or were, uh, or we online. We were on a roll there. We were. It's like been months since I said that. Not in Plainview. Okay. Well, let's jump into it. Texas Tech NC State recap. Then we'll hit the lines for next week and beyond. We're uh, getting some questions in on the stream. We'll also have a Discord mailbag at the end. I, I mean, how do you want to start? I actually want to start. Broad thoughts? I want to start by giving a shout-out to Bryce Ramirez and his teammates and family. Uh, really bad injury, uh, unfortunately. So when it happened, I thought they knocked heads. And I thought, okay, he got his bell rung. So did I until I saw the replay. So They only showed the replay once, thank goodness. They didn't need to show it more than that. I think had they also realized what the injury was, they wouldn't have shown it the first time. No, I'm um, fairly certain the production team noticed it when they showed the replay because yeah. they bailed out pretty quickly after that. Yeah, bad injury. I would not recommend going to look for it. Um, sounds like he was in good spirits, according to Coach McGuire, after the game. You know, he's going to have a lot of rehab in front of him. And, you know, this is one of those things. You know, we, we watch the game for entertainment. You don't want to see anybody get hurt, especially that seriously. And so, uh, especially when it's one of your own guys, I mean, that – just sucks to see and uh so our our best wishes to him on a full recovery whatever timeline that might be on i mean forget football i hope that structurally everything is okay moving forward for him 
and just hate that it happened to him. Yeah, and the few you've seen similar to that, uh, we've not heard much from it, but just based on what I saw with my own eyes, you know, Alex Smith, Teddy Bridgewater, those kind of injuries, I think it was similar. And, you know, a couple years out, you might be looking at Bryce Ramirez either returning or not. If he doesn't but want to play football either again way, yeah, absolutely. or can't play football again, I wouldn't blame him. You know, it's just one of those things when we bitch and moan as fans that, you know, there's people putting their bodies at stake and you never want to see that. And there's more minor injuries and you take that as part of the risk of playing football, but you never want to see that kind of injury. And so our best wishes to Bryce Ramirez and, like I said, his family, his teammates as well, because there's obviously a strong bond there, and I know they hated to see him down like that too. There was plenty of bitching and moaning last night um, off of Twitter and on social media. Um, I I have several gripes. Um, I try to base those gripes off of rewatches. I try not to be emotional in the moment. It's hard sometimes. As fans, I get it. Uh, especially when the you quarterback sneak from third and three and then throw a pass 15 yards downfield that gets run back for a pick six on a fourth and one. Yeah. Seems to be a little bit inconsistent. But overall last night, really impressed with the defense. The opposite for the offense and special teams um, – but if you can figure out the defense and then just put competent offense and special teams out there, you still have a chance to win Big 12. <clears throat> Big 12 games. <laughs> Getting emotional over here. Yeah, b- before we get into sort of some in-depth analysis or takeaways, I want to say two things, and it's kind of a sub-point of the other. But A, no, no single person or unit or coach is to blame. I think there's plenty of that to go around. So if we say something critical of Donovan, that does not absolve Kitley. If we say something critical of Kitley, that does not absolve McGuire or the offensive line of the receivers, any of that. Yeah. Shared blame, we can argue what percentage goes where. And the reality that some people don't want to admit is we don't know. On some of these plays, we don't know if that was Kitley's call or if Donovan checked it at the line. We don't know if the receiver ran the right route, if Donovan made the right read. So some of this is guesswork. Yeah, or if he had the reads in the correct order, point, or what they talked about in practice. Point B, there's a difference between criticism, analysis, and just insulting your own team that you're rooting for. Yeah. I think there's plenty of that from our opponents and rivals that we don't need to, I'm, I'm quoting from social media last night, be referring to anything as like, bitch move or he's stupid things like that like we can all acknowledge that the performance needs to be better again from everybody not just one player one unit or one coach without just insulting people because there's a difference like you you, okay you brought up the quarterback sneak on third and three yeah bad play call bad play call what i call zach kitley an idiot no no because here's what here's the deal zach kitley was sitting right in front of me i said hey that quarterback sneak on third and three what was going on? He would probably be like, yeah, that was, we shouldn't have called that. If Zach Kitley was sitting right in front of me, I would not say, hey, dude, you're an idiot. Because that's just not how you talk to people in person. Or Zach Kitley might say, yeah, we called that and it was open, but Donovan uh, didn't run off the left guard like we told him to. Right. Or the offensive line got their ass kicked on that play. 
th- that's just a thing in football. Yeah. So just just one anecdote from high school, seven on seven. I, I wanted to throw the goal line fade. And uh. in seven on seven, the players call the plays. There's no coaching in seven on seven. So I called the goal line fade. And you know, I threw a jump ball to my buddy, and he caught it. We scored. It was great. Go over to the sideline coach said, hey, good play, bad play call. You can execute a bad play call. You can also not execute a good play call. So just because a play fails doesn't necessarily mean it was execution or bad play calling. It could be a combination. It could be one or the other. You, know, you could have a perfect play drawn up, like the very first play of the game, right? and it not be executed. It's just reality. I didn't know you played quarterback. Yeah, I played quarterback for a little bit and then receiver. Okay. Seven on seven or in the real game too? Yeah, r- r- real games. Oh, okay. I played quarterback my oh, whole JV? life until my senior year. Oh. And then we oh, had a, a freak. I, have I not told you this on getting to know the Gauchos? No, I thought you just played receiver all, all no, those years. So my senior year, basically had the choice to be backup quarterback or oh. have a shot at starting at receiver. Because the quarterback was a year, uh, yeah, a year younger than me. He was the anchor of our four by one relay team. Right. MLB draft pick out of high school. Okay. And he had D one scholarship offers for football. So he was just that kind of it's like, okay, I'm not gonna see the field if I play the same position as him. So I moved to receiver because there's four receivers on the field at once. Tried my hand there. So I was quarterback up until then. Okay. That's uh it makes a good receiver because you know what your quarterback's thinking. It does, and that's the only reason I got playing time. I wasn't faster than anybody, I wasn't stronger than anybody. You knew the playbook. I knew what I was doing, which yeah. goes a long way. Back to the game. Uh, you mentioned the first play call. I don't want to go through the entire game. There are points I want to hit. Um, I think overall your offensive line improved this week. I know it didn't look like it at times. Um, I thought Donovan last week, I really wouldn't ascribe any of his faults to him last week. I would in some respects, and we can go through the minutia of it, but this week... Some of those sacks were Donovan, I thought. Um, last week, most of the sacks, all of the sacks were the offensive line. So I think there was some improvement on the offensive line. Was it good? No. Um, did you see improvement with that unit? Yes, I think so. Um, otherwise, I, I really just don't even know how to talk about everything we need to talk about. Do you want to go play by play? Let's moment tr- by moment? Yeah, let's try to go in chronological order. Okay. And I actually think because of all the minutia about clock management, timeouts, Donovan versus Barron in the second half of the game. Right. Nobody's talked about the first play of the game, which right. completely changes the entire trajectory, I think. So yeah. I haven't seen a replay of that. It was not on the condensed rewatch that I looked at. The throw was 18 inches too long. He had to dive, and I, I think both his hands were on it. I think watching it live, Donovan made a throw that I would say is about an 8 to an eight and a half out of ten. He put in a spot catchable. Yeah. You should have gained those yards. If he throws a nine and a half or a ten, it's a touchdown. It's a touchdown on the first play of the game. Yes. And completely changes what happens after that. Especially as well as we know the defense played. Forcing NC State to play from behind. And instead, I mean, fast forward a couple series, NC State gets a stop, you get a stop, you muff a punt, they take over at the twelve yard line, get a field goal out of it. Still a good stop from the defense, but that changes like the first big play of the game was a muffed punt that they got three points off of, and it should have been, at the very least, a long play that gets you into field goal range on your first drive. Yep. If it's a slightly better throw and catch, probably a touchdown on the first play of the game. Uh, 
because like okay let's say everything after that remains mostly the same you scored 14 points on offense after that so let's say you're at 21 instead and nc state scored 20 points on offense and they got seven by way of a pick six right you don't you don't feel the need to go for it on fourth and one if you have a lead you make that throw and you don't throw the pick pick six six, yeah it's 21 20 and that's not how the game of football works other things would have changed i'm just saying how big of a play the very first throw was the very first two drives because you double down and you give them a field goal right so that's a that's really a 10 point swing yeah nc state's first score they took over the ball in the red zone rather than receiving a kickoff and starting at the 25-yard line, down 7-0, which could have been a very real scenario. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't – I'm. look, I sat here last week and said, hey, just give the punt return duties to Drew Hoka. He's not doing anything else. Just let him go out there and catch punts, and then he you know, bounces one off his chest. Um, I, I have full faith he won't do that again, but he did it this week, and I guess – a broad question here. Um, are the special teams issues just like talent or what? Because Austin McNamara is the best punter in the country and he was bad his first two punts. Uh, and then the rest of it, I mean, are they coaching these guys to take punts and kicks from the two and run them out from the end zone and run them out? Or, to, I mean, obviously they are, right? Or to toe tap one on the sidelines when it's about to go out of bounds. Yeah. It, they're either coaching it or allowing it to happen, right? Isn't that the old axiom? I mean, the social, the spe, the special teams was bad the whole game. It doesn't take any talent to fair catch a kick return. So is there some talent component? Maybe. Like, obviously, you've had issues fielding punts. Yeah. Maybe your punt coverage was lacking in the Houston game when Tank Dell returned one into the red zone. But no, I think a lot of it is just making a smart decision to say, we're not going to return kickoffs anymore. I've only ever been in favor of trying to return a kickoff if you have Jakeem Grant or the like back there. Right. And that's not a knock on any of the guys that are here. It's just the risk of injury, penalties, or just flat out not getting it to the 25. Just take the free yards, keep everybody clean, and let's play ball. Did you return a kick past the 20? Yes. You got a couple to like the 23. Okay, but not none of them to the 25? No. I think you got one to the 25. And that might have been the one that there was a penalty called, and so you started at the 12 and a half. That's the, you're not going to get a penalty on a touchback. Right. And you don't have to have guys blocking on one of the highest collision plays in football. Just keep it clean, keep everybody healthy, take the ball at the 25. I don't know if you'd want to do that every time, but I think there are certainly situations, if you catch the ball four yards deep in the end zone, fair catch it or kneel it. I think there's definite benefit to to that. And I I don't I don't predict Austin McNamara to take a big step back. He had some good punts late in the game. I'm not worried about him. I, I guess I'm not too worried at this point about your kicking game. I know you, you had each kicker miss one versus Houston, but besides that, I mean the, the kickoffs look fine to me. The extra points looked well executed. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of fair catching every single kickoff and just field the punt cleanly. And let's go from there because you you are routinely putting your defense in bad spots and they're handling it like champs, but you can't keep doing that. So uh, I guess if – I mean, the question that we got earlier was, is the field position issue we saw last night a one-off or something to be concerned with? 
Um, if everything stays the same, it's something to be concerned with. Yeah, you've played two games, and it's been an issue in both games. Yeah. Um, that's another thing I said last night was um, just during the game, th- during the course of the game, I saw issues that you've had in the first two games still be there, um, which I think a lot of is talent based. And, and then you had some new issues crop up last night. You had a some penalty issues and otherwise that you just didn't see in the first two games. You're the least penalized team in the league for the first two games. Um, and you had some issues last night. So uh, I guess let's go, uh, let's pick the five or six moments. Cause I, I really don't want to go play by play. And I, I don't think we can. Um, I have a few that, but, that but we let's, could run let's hit the highlights. Yeah. Cause I think, so this is an issue that I thought permeated throughout the game was constantly being behind the sticks. Yes. It's hard to convert third and 11 or fourth and 10. It's a lot easier to go third and three, fourth and five. And there were a lot of reasons you were behind the sticks and they were different. Yeah. But there, you was only, a, there was one that was prevalent throughout the game. You only handled the ball off 14 times for 43 yards. And I actually thought you had okay success at times running outside. Sir Roderick did, yeah. Yeah. Sir Roderick mostly carried the load there. Not, not that Taj Bricks didn't. He just didn't really have the chance. Right. So, like, I'm looking at one play. This is second and 11. I don't know why. I don't know how you lost a yard on first down, but NC State has six guys in the box. You've got 11 personnel. You have a tight end and a running back in the game. We should be running this, but instead we go play action pass. A blitzer comes through untouched. It's a sack, and then the drive's over. You're not going to convert on third and 18. This is the one where uh, early in the game, uh, I thought that Mason Tharp was open. Um, but he wasn't really looking for the ball yet, I don't think. Um, and Donovan was reading deep to short. Obviously, that's how your pro- progressions go. Uh, but on on third and ten, you gotta have a hot route or something. And he just he needs to move more. He's got great legs, right? Like if if he plays this well, he's escaping out of the pocket. He does that one eighty where he rolls out to his left, and then he can either run it. It's a lot harder for the guys in coverage to maintain coverage for two or three more seconds while he's rolling out. You can either hit somebody on the run, check it down, run it yourself, get something on second and 11 to give yourself a chance. Instead, you take a sack, it's third and 18. He, he's not processing some of these blitzes and coverages quickly enough, and that was my main gripe after the Houston game. It, was right. not, it wasn't the arm talent or anything, it was some of the decision-making and the clock in his head that he thinks he has four and a half seconds to stand in the pocket, and he just doesn't. Right. So that that's – the type of play that just kept killing drives. And that was not a four and a half second uh, thing. It was more of like two and a half or maybe even two flat. Uh, but I thought that if you can recognize the blitz pre-snap, you can have a hot route built in there and a and kind of an automatic throw. And I thought Mason Tharp was that. He looked like that. Uh, the ball did not get off. And, and there was some good, too, that goes unnoticed when there are as many errors as you have. But I'm looking at another play in the second quarter. It's third and nine. So this is going to be a difficult conversion. They bring six. Your O-line picks it up pretty well. Your running back picks it up pretty well. Donovan escapes to the right. This is one where I thought he was targeting Brady Boyd. And Tosh kind of runs underneath right in front Tosh of Tosh intercepted it. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if it would have been complete to Boyd or not. But it was complete to Taj. And you get a first down. I think he got 18 yards on that play. That, that was one where I thought Donovan did a good job recognizing what was going on leaving the pocket in a timely manner, and then made a good throw on the run. I don't think it was to the guy he was aiming for, but I'll take 18 yards whenever. Yeah, and if you look through the first quarter, three plays, 
one yard. These are drives. Uh, three plays, eight yards. Punt. Four plays, 14 yards. Punt. Three plays, minus nine yards. Punt. Um, and then we come to, I think, where you are with the uh, pick six. Yeah, I'm getting there. There's one more play I want to look at. Again, for all the hand-wringing about play calling and all that, this is third and seven in the second quarter. You've got the ball right at midfield. It's 13-0 at this point. Third and seven is not a run spot, but there's a four-man box. And I don't know if this was Kitley or if Donovan checked into it, but you hand the ball off to Sir Roderick. This is a play where Donovan lays that pancake block downfield. Yes. And you convert. And I guess you're in four-down territory here. That's why you feel comfortable enough running the ball. If you ever have a four-man box and Sir Roderick or Todd is in the backfield, you should probably be running the ball. Yeah, this is the first drive you have that really gets going. Mm-hmm. Um, 13 to nothing. Right after... I do want to talk about that touchdown. So the NC State touchdown where Reggie Pearson gets called out for just letting up. Mm-hmm. Demetri Moore uh, doesn't get him out of bounds. Well, he was hurt. That, that's a play he hurt his leg on. Well, uh, odd play. But Demetri Moore didn't look like he pulled up until he got past the runner. Um, didn't get him out of bounds. Reggie Pearson thought he was out of bounds, and Reggie Pearson lighting him up out of bounds is much worse than, well, I guess not worse than a touchdown, but odd situation. I don't think Reggie Pearson olayed him. I'll say that much. No, Reggie he, Pearson is not that kind of player. He's not that guy. I mean, he's not, not that guy, pal. He is not. He's, he's the not last guy. guy. No, trust me. You're not that guy. He's the last one on the defense I would think would want to shy away from contact willingly or knowingly. I think he was trying to avoid a 15-yard penalty, and then when he realized that that guy kept his balance, stayed in balance, he was like, well, crap. Yeah. Um, uh, but, I, but I got some, some chirps on that one, and I, I, I just wanted to defend Reggie. So, again, like, just yeah. use your head. You think a guy who loves to lay the lumber right, is, just, just decided not to one play? Like, and, don't and you think there was possibly an explanation for played it? Played every single game, every single play of the game. So I want to talk about what preceded the fourth and one pick yeah. six. So that third and seven that you complete, or the running, the running, the sweep right, Donovan pancake. That is the third down before the four plays that lead up to the pick six. Yeah, and this is where I have, where I think you could put on the tape and take issue with the play calling. You have a four, maybe a five-ish man box. There's a guy kind of outside the tackle in between the tackle and the receiver. I don't, he's kind of in no man's land. Even if we call that a five-man box, I think you should be running here on first and 10, again, to try not to get behind the sticks. Instead, you go play-action pass, Donovan gets sacked. You're immediately second and long on what was a promising drive where you've already converted on a couple third downs. Third and 11? Yep. Again, this is where if you're in four-down territory, which apparently you were because you wind up going for it, get some of that yardage. Um, NC State actually had a look where it looked like they were going to bring six and said they only brought four o-line picked it up well donovan hits bradley for 10 yards if if jaron bradley runs that route a little bit differently maybe you convert straight up i think he thought he had the first but when he came back to the ball lost a half yard so now it's fourth and one and we all know what winds up happening i was really confused with why you're lining up in empty to begin with if it's fourth and seven and everybody knows you're throwing it maybe If it's fourth and one, you should at least have a run threat out there. I know Donovan is, but I mean a run threat with a running back. Yes. I did not like the formation. I did not like the call. 
Uh, I did not think the result was because of the call. Well, I still don't know what happened on that play. Me neither. I don't know why we're targeting a guy 20-plus yards downfield on fourth and one. Even I, if you're going to line up an empty and call that, why is that? I mean, we can talk about the inaccuracy on the throw. Was it a miscommunication? All that. Why is that even the target and the play call and I don't the formation think it was. to begin with? I think they ran a double slant. Uh, Miles Price was wide open on the inside, but he chose the outside slant to Brady Boyd, and he just sailed it, in my opinion. Maybe. Now, I, 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 I legitimately don't know what happened. I tweeted. I said, what was that? And I still don't know what. I do not know what ha- I cannot confidently say that's what happened, but that's what I see on the rewatch. Again, you can't really see the whole thing, but I think it's a, a double slant. I think it's a double sl- Yeah, because, all right, so I'm looking at it. Uh, a still frame. Miles Price is wide open. Three yards across the first down. Which is enough. Yeah. And I don't know why that's not your first read. It might have been. If it was, he moved off of it way too quickly and made a wrong decision. The other thing, your tight end is pass blocking. Yeah. It's just a weird call to me to go empty with the tight end and then him not to release on a route. If the tight end is going to be blocking, then you'd have six blockers against a five-man box. Just run it with Donovan. Might have been a, it might have been a blitz. If they blitz, Maybe. the tight end picks. Maybe. I, I, again. Confusing play to me. Very confusing. Um, fourth and one last year, I think you line up in a heavy formation and get the first down. Um, I would love to see you go back to that. I think Sonny Cumbie excelled in short yardage and uh, in the red zone. I think he had some big failings otherwise. Um, obviously, I'm a big Sonny Cumbie fan. Zach Kitley has not excelled in short yardage yet. I did like the fake reverse run down at the goal line. I thought that was a really good play call. Loved it. And, and it was, it and was that well was executed. Cumbie-esque. It was well executed. Yes. Again, going back to play calling versus execution, if you call that and all three of those receivers out there miss their blocks, it looks like a stupid play call. It gets call. blown up, yeah. Instead, Donovan goes in untouched because all three of them executed their blocks really well. Yeah. Before we keep going, I've got a couple more from the second half, and this is where you actually start to move the ball a little bit better. A uh, little bit better. Yeah. Want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Rahino Barbecue. They were in Lubbock this past Thursday. They were in Plainview Saturday at the Jimmy Dean Festival. They are now going all across West Texas with their mobile food truck. Follow them on socials at Rahino BBQ to find out where they're going next, or you can always just go to the OG out in Olton. They've got a ton of covered seating. Some lawn games out there. It's a great time. Easy drive if you live in Lubbock, Ramarillo, Plainview, somewhere like that. And you had a an inbox that we didn't get to, but yeah, I guess one of your friends was like, you know, hey, is this really worth the hype? And you're like, yes, it is. And he went out there, was like, yeah, absolutely, that was great. He was at the Jimmy Dean Fest. Okay, and uh, he said it dominated the hype. Good. He, he was a huge fan of the uh, jalapeno cream corn, which we don't really talk about the sides much. Yeah, we never That get is there. an elite barbecue side, the jalapeno we, cream corn. We have a parlay picador. Or green chili, whatever it is. Coming into Lubbock from out of town, and he was like, okay, off the record, like I know they're a sponsor, but is this right. worth checking out? And everybody in the Discord is like, yes, <laughs> yeah. you need to go do it. <laughs> so if you are coming to the Texas game, if you haven't been out to Lubbock in a while, try to get some Rahino while you're here. And, All if, right. you, and if you want to join the Discord, 
Patreon.com slash gambling gauchos, $5 a month. This final drive before the half that Texas Tech gets, um, you finally go tempo, which I think is much more com- uh, comfortable for Donovan. I think it speeds up the game, and I think it speeds up his mind. You also can't go tempo when you're going three and out. And I, I'm not no. criticizing you. There are people on Twitter like, hey, why didn't we just go tempo? Like, well, it doesn't right. work if you don't get a first down. This is the first time you had the opportunity to go right. tempo. Yes. Uh, so, Sir Roderick for four yards. Then you run Sir Roderick for seven yards. And then you get up to the ball. Uh, obviously, within two minutes, you're trying to move the ball. Uh, Miles Price for nine. P.I. Miles Price for 24 and the touchdown. Let's talk about the middle of the field. Because this was a point of conversation, and I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss it. Because you were successful when you tried to go over the middle. Tharp had a couple uh, first down type catches. Fungi uh, had one. Miles the mesh Price point. had a couple. Yeah. But I also think that it's sort of like, hey, why don't we call the touchdown play? Like, hey, it was working over the middle. Why don't we just throw it over the middle? Well, sometimes right. it's covered over the middle, and so you run it or throw it to the sideline or whatever. I don't know if that's just an easy fix, like just throw it over the middle every play. Well, the two touchdowns and pretty much every successful drive you've had to the to the this point this year has been, you know, a big play happened over the middle. Yeah, going back to Houston, it was Miles Price and Nehemiah Martinez on different depths, but both kind of drag routes across the middle. Yep, and the fourth and twenty. Yeah, didn't end up being in the middle, but he crossed the field. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if that's I don't know if those routes over the middle aren't being seen by Donovan. I don't know if the route tree doesn't have a ton of those routes. Pressure hurts. Yeah. You can't roll the pocket and focus on the middle of the field. Yeah. A lot of people are just like, roll the pocket, roll the pocket. Well, you tried that a couple times. That you only can throw to one third of the field if you roll the pocket. Yeah. Um, so Roderick either missed a corner blitz or thought it would be better to just go out into the flats and be a check down. Either way, Donovan didn't see it. They blew up a First and ten, and again you get behind the chains. Again, recurring theme. Is this um, this is the third early quarter. third quarter? This is late third quarter. Actually, skipped ahead a little bit. Okay, well, nothing much happened in the third quarter. Uh, you did turn it over on downs. Uh, well, you just had two drives in the third quarter, by the way. And here's so earlier, I was talking about the play call on third down. If you're if you think you're in four down territory, yeah. And this is where I thought you did good, and later in the game, you do bad. But this is third and 10. You've got the ball at your own 35 in the fourth quarter. It's 27 to 7. So you're kind of going for broke at this point. You probably don't want to punt. Third and 10, I don't know if this is a replay or a designed quarterback run. Fake handoff, Donovan takes it for four yards. Not a lot, but at least you're not in fourth and 10. Can we go back to the last driver real quick? Yeah. Because that, okay. So that's first down. At, with like 30 seconds left in the f- third quarter. Mm-hmm. Sir Roderick completely olays where I thought there was some open receivers, just completely olays, gets the sack. It's first and 18. That's what you said. Uh, and then Nehemiah Martinez, to end the third quarter, has a 10-yard gain. So it's third and eight. Uh, incomplete to Dran Bradley. Fourth and eight. 14-28 left. It's 27-7. You go for it on fourth down. This is in the third quarter? No, this is this is end of the fourth quarter. But the end of the third quarter happens. Yeah, you, and then your second two plays into the fourth quarter. Two plays into the fourth quarter. Sorry, it's twenty to it's twenty oh, okay. to seven because yeah, yeah. the next play is a defensive touchdown. 
Yeah. Or not a defense touchdown, but a the, the double pass. Yeah. So it's 20 to 7, fourth and eight, 14, 28 left in the fourth quarter. Not having a successful night on offense. Uh, All American punter on the sideline. Yeah, I'd probably punt it there. Right? Now, I'm never going to fault a guy for being aggressive. But that seemed like a desperate call on fourth and eight. Especially in your own territory at that. Yeah, like all the context around it is is different. If you're at midfield or at 38, yeah. Or if it's fourth and two, but fourth and eight, where if you turn it over, they're in scoring position. And they run a trick play and score in one play, and then it's 27 to seven. Yeah, so the next drive, you have to go for it on fourth down again. The third and 10 that I was referencing, Donovan at least picks up some of it because fourth and 10 is just really hard to convert. Instead, you get fourth and six. Well, okay, so it's third and 10, you're on a read option. I'm, if you're going for it on fourth down, I'm fine with that. I don't mind running it. I, I think they should have run it. There was a, what, five-man box? So you go fourth and six. And I think the formation here is great. So you're on the right hash. You put three receivers to the boundary side. Yep. And then J.J. Sparkman is all alone on an island to the field side. And you're basically saying, hey, win a one-on-one battle. We're throwing to you. Donovan sees that, throws it to him, and Sparkman wins that battle. You convert on fourth down. 17 yards. To me, that's a good play call. That's good play execution by everybody involved. And... People, including me, complaining about the fourth and eight, not complaining about the fourth and six, will complain about a fourth down <laughs> in a minute. So that's just the hypocrite of a fan. Well, uh, it, but it, you made that one. You you executed that one. Again, it speaks to all of these calls look better if they're well executed. Yes. And maybe the execution is better if the plays are called better. I mean, it's a, it's a yin-yang type deal. So right. this is kind of some football 101. I mean, I learned this playing middle school flag football. If there's a blitz coming from a certain area in the field, uh-huh. you try to throw to that area. Yes. Somebody's probably going to be open in that area. So this is third and 10 on the same drive. There's nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. You're down by two scores. On the next drive. Same drive. After you've converted this fourth down, you keep going. And now it's third and 10 after a couple plays. Uh, the fourth and six, you go first and 10, oh, first yeah, down, no, first and 10, first drive. down. Uh, that was a touchdown drive. You got the fourth and six. Okay, yeah, this T- is the next drive. I tempo, just again, the clock. tempo again, go all the way down. Uh, that's where you have the three-yard touchdown run. Yeah, you're right. You're on the you're on a similar spot on the field, but this is the next drive. But again, fourth and six, you get that 17 yards. It gives you the opportunity to go tempo. Mm-hmm. And you have to be successful on early downs to go tempo. You cannot go tempo from third and ten. It right. just doesn't work. So, because that means you failed two plays in a row. So you've got this third and 10. They bring you a funny blitz look, which we should have known was coming. If you're playing a Tony Gibson defense, they should have seen some of these looks in practice and on tape. So when the safety blitzes, you leave an area of the field wide open. I think Tharp is pretty open here. And you look at where he is on a still frame after the ball, pretty quickly after the ball is released. If he catches it, he can get the first down or at least really close to it. I think he can convert. Yeah. Instead, you throw kind of a wheel route where – the DB has all the leverage on Miles Price. It's a tough play. I thought it was PI. So did I. It's not they called. let you play. It's not called, and now it's fourth and ten, which right. again is really hard to convert. Fourth and ten, they bring five plus kind of a spy delayed blitz to make it six. Everyone is running a deep route except Miles Price. Yep. Second week in a row, he gives up on his route. Donovan throws it anyway, and the DB is right in position to intercept it, and he does. On the rewatch, bad execution. Regardless of the play called bad execution. Did the DB pull Miles Price's back shoulder? On third down? 
on fourth down? I didn't see that, but I could take a closer look. And because it looked like Miles Price turned away from the ball, turned away from the quarterback, and I don't know if he just stopped running. Like I think he, he just assumed it wasn't coming to him, like he did last week when it got yeah. pick sixed, and he can't right. he can't keep doing that. No, if that's what happened, I completely agree with you. And I, in real time, I thought that's what happened. Um, the first two times I watched it, I feel like that's what happened. Um, but I watched it about seven times because I just don't feel like that's in Miles' character. Obviously, it is if it happens two weeks in a row. But um, and at this man, point, it looked like he completely dogged the end of that route. And the only explanation I have is that he got pulled on his back shoulder and turned toward the pool and did not see the ball thrown. But still, you have to be looking for the ball. It's fourth and ten. Yeah. You have to assume, like, okay, even if I don't think I'm open, if it does come to me, at the very least, I'm going to yeah. try to make a play on it. There and were several calls where I thought everyone was just running goes that seemed kind of Linehan-esque yeah, if you're a Cowboys fan. And that's a limitation that we were talking about before the episode was we don't have the all-22 right. film, and so I don't know what some of these receivers are doing downfield. No. But going back again, if you're in four-down territory and it's third and ten, I'm of the mindset, run a high percentage play that at least gets you some of that. And again, part of that was execution because Tharp was open on third and 10, I thought. Right. But once it's fourth and 10 and the clock isn't running, you're down by two scores. You could pin them pretty deep here. You've got the ball at the 40-yard line, and there's still nine minutes on the clock. In hindsight, I would have punted it. You have all three timeouts. Yes. Punt it the way your defense is playing and try to get two more possessions with, I don't know, seven minutes left. It, it, it would be tough to do either way. Fourth and 10 or punting yep. it. You have a low percentage chance of winning, but in hindsight, on 4th and 10 with the way your offense was playing, I would have rather punted it. I would have punted on 4th and 10, 4th and 6, 4th and 10, all three times. Um, and you converted one of those. Um, you didn't convert the others. Now, you get some issues here uh, on the next drive because it's 6.45 left when they take over. Uh, no, sorry, 8.38 left when they take over. Um, and then 153 when they punt, and they ran nine plays. Yeah, they just kept and, getting third down, back-breaking conversions, and milking the clock. And on third and eight, third and eight, they don't get a completion, and there's like two and a half minutes left. You could have called timeout, but you don't. And they punt uh, with a minute 53 left. That was that was the only moment where I started questioning the timeouts. So before that, people were griping that we weren't taking them with five minutes left. Yeah, I wouldn't have taken it with five minutes left. The thing Even is, on third and eight because they got the conversion. And the thing is, you needed two stops at that point anyway. So you save all three for, in an ideal world, if you get the ball back and score, and now it's yeah. 27-21, offense, yeah. you still have to use three more timeouts to stop them and get the ball back. So, I, And that's where people just went off the freaking rails. And I think they either yeah. just don't know the game of football or anything, and they're like, oh, well, we just tucked our tail between our legs and quit. That is not what happened remotely. No, you made a calculation, and it failed. Again, execution. Yeah, like you didn't know that they were going to run a nine-play drive and convert on three-third downs, basically. And, and my thought was that, again, that was the only time on fourth and 12, ended up being a fourth and 17 when they punted. That is the only time I would have like, said, hey, what are we doing? Let's punt. Not punt. Let's take a timeout. Uh, Baron Morton comes in. He gets a pass picked. I, that is what it is. But if you look at their drives in the second half, uh, 
I mean, you dominated. Beyond the one-play touchdown drive that they had. They did gas you running the ball and with screens when they needed to, but for the game, they averaged three yards per carry. And their quarterback was ACC preseason offensive player of the year. Like I said in our preview episode, he's on a list with Justin Fields, Mac Jones, as guys who have thrown 35 or more touchdowns with five or fewer interceptions in the season. He was, he was, I don't want to say a non-factor. He was a non-factor. Okay. You said it not. He was. What did he do? It, he took care of the ball, I guess. Yeah. He didn't make any electric. He didn't lose the game for He didn't them. scramble. He didn't get out. Yeah. Uh, he was better than Donovan. Here's the, uh, but, here, here's the issue with your quarterback. He ran the offense good. Here's the issue with the quarterback moving forward. Let's assume yeah. that Shuck is not available till after the bye week. You're either sticking with Donovan, which I realize has its obvious drawbacks at this point. For yeah. as talented as he is, my mind hasn't changed on that at all. He also never gave up, which is the point we made last week with him being a dog. And we said his greatest efficiencies last week were processing yeah. timing. So you can either stick with him, or Baron Morton can have his first career start versus Texas, or on the road in Manhattan or Stillwater. Yeah. And so to just act like there's this quick fix, we'll just change the quarterback out. Okay, yeah, let's let's start Baron Morton for the first time against either Texas or let's say against a top 10 team in Stillwater and see how that goes. I would absolutely start Donovan Smith against Texas, but I would like to see Baron Morton in the first half. I think that's fair. Just game plan a drive for Donovan? Yes. For Baron. For Baron? Script a drive for for him. I'm okay with that. I don't think Donovan through two games as a starter has earned necessarily that much. No. Look, if you can get a different look with Baron, and even if it just shakes things up, gives the defense a different look, and you can move the ball, I'm all for it. Yeah. And and we said when when Donovan took over, it's his job to win. Um, but if when Shuck if Shuck came back tomorrow, he would be the starting. He's the starter. Yeah, there's no question. Totally agree. But I think you at this point, I don't think there's any problem with giving Baron a shot. Uh, would it be in a start? I don't know. Uh, I'm not opposed to that to just give him game one reps and let him have a week as the starter. Because I think that changes what practice is because you don't want to have him not get reps all week and then just throw him out there. I think unless something just goes horribly wrong, yeah. I think Donovan's a starter through the bye week, and maybe that Me looks too. like Me too. some shared time. But, yeah. again, any of those, any of these upcoming three environments before the bye week is such a tough spot for Barron to be thrown into the fire. But if you gave him the bye week, and like if Shuck isn't going to be ready, maybe that's the time you make a change because the competition lets up a little bit after that. You have two full weeks of game prep. And if, like you're suggesting, you, he gets some meaningful snaps over the next three games, it's less of like, okay, here's your first action on the first snap of a game that you're starting. Yeah. And more of like, a, okay, hey, I, settle in. I've been here before. Here's what the game looks like. Exactly. Um, but also, you don't want to you know, be down 14 to nothing in the first quarter and be like, all right, Barrett, <laughs> here you go. Yeah. Here's, it, an, here's another pick six. Go back out there. And that was part of my issue with people calling for him last night. Like, okay, hey, man, we're down by 20 on the road. Go get him. Top top 16 team, most hostile environment we'll play in all year. And here's your first meaningful snap of college football. And somebody was like, well, we did that to Mahomes in Stillwater in 2014. Look how he turned out. Like, well, that's great. But he was the backup and Davis got hurt. And Baron Morton might turn out to be as good as Patrick Mahomes today. But Mahomes didn't help you in Stillwater that day. No. He fumbled and threw an interception on his first play of action. Yeah. So, I, 
Also, people were talking about Graham Harrell and him throwing the double birds after throwing back-to-back pick sixes against Missouri or Colorado, whoever Missouri. it was. Double barrel Harrell. If you go back and look at his first six games against Power 5 teams, Harrell sucked. He got shut out or didn't score a touchdown against TCU, which was not Power 5 at the time, um, and was bad against Missouri and Colorado and lost a bunch of Big 12 games early. Uh, now, they ended up going to a bowl game because the first four games that season were free because they played, I guess they lost to TCU, but they played like, like Missouri State FCS, or something. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. It just, we spent a lot of time complaining about the offense tonight. Um, you want to talk defense a little bit? I do. Uh, rabbit, fumble. Love that. Incredible play. That because play. That, was a, that was a backpicking drive. That you saved with an incredible play. Just like I thought Donovan Not giving up. and Jaron Bradley and Taj really embodied the brand two weeks ago against Houston. I thought that play embodied the brand. And look, for all the woes last night, I'm not trying to sugarcoat or smooth any of this over. It was not a good performance. But to make that play late in the game when, again, you don't have a good shot to win either way, I think speaks to the team's mental toughness and that this culture is being instilled in them. And we didn't get the result we wanted last night, but I still think that that is a positive sign. Yeah, and talk about positive signs. There's, I mean, even with injuries, I think your defensive line is really good. Tyree Wilson? Tyree Wilson is that guy. 11 tackles. Yeah. Two sacks. Uh-huh. Three and a half tackles for loss. Yeah. Do you know who that was against? NC State returned four offensive linemen. The one who they didn't return was their left tackle. He was drafted number six overall in the first round last season. The guy they replaced him with, NC State's coaching staff said, is better than the other four offensive linemen. And Tyree Wilson had that kind of stat line. Now, I'm not I'm not on-pace guy, but if he did that 12 times, his numbers would be so freakish. <laughs> Which he's not going to. Right. Because he's not a middle linebacker. He'd be the yeah. number one overall pick in the draft. Yes. I mean, all that stuff. Yeah. But I do think he can duplicate this. If he can do that against NC State's offensive line, at times when he was getting off a double team and sacking the quarterback, he can do it against Big 12 offensive lines. Super encouraged by Tyree Wilson. And there's other guys too, but yeah, his stat line especially popped. Look, NC State was only 6 of 16 uh, on third downs. That is that is good. That is a winnable percentage. If you can replicate that, they you only gave up 270 yards. Again, you only gave up 20 points defensively, and they started in field goal range twice on yeah. both their field goal drives. No, it's the second week in a row you either won because of or had a chance to win because of your defense. In the last two games, you've given up 13 points by the defense in regulation and 20 points by the defense in regulation against good opponents. Yeah. Do you? Th- I mean, so l- let's look at it this way. That's four turnovers to one. Devin Leary... How many quarterbacks and how many starting quarterbacks in the Big Twelve are better than Zero. Devin Leary? Zero. Well, Jalen Daniels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how many offensive lines are better than Hold NC on. States? Uh, let me answer seriously. Um, there might be three, two or three better than Devin Leary, but he's comparable to at least all of them. He's he's a he'd be in the top tier of quarterbacks in the Big Twelve. Yes, and we could argue if he's better than Spencer Sanders or Gabriel Douglas, but he's in that tier. Yeah. How many offensive line units in the Big Twelve are better than NC States? I mean, three, two? 
Baylor. Baylor? Maybe OU. OU, probably. I'm not a I'm not an expert on that position group across the conference, but the way NC State's was hyped up for returning starters to, for Tyree Ty Wilson and the entire defense, again, three yards per carry. Yeah. Is super encouraging to me. That you can you can duplicate this performance against you didn't have that performance because you were facing a weak opponent. You went right. to their place, played a good quarterback, a good offensive line, and had a really good result on that side of the ball. I think his defense is legit. I agree. You gave up 13 in regulation to Houston. And you gave up 20 in regulation to NC State. That'll play. Um, But you will not win games this year. If the turnovers don't change, I think Joey knows that. Uh, And you will not win games this year if the special teams isn't it not even isn't good, isn't awful. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit on Gaucho's After Dark last night, but complimentary football is a term that I think is a little bit overused, and to a lot of people it means running the ball instead of throwing it to give your defense a breather, but there's a lot more to it than that. Complimentary football is not allowing five of your last seven scoring drives that have been conducted against you to start in your own territory, and then the sixth at NC State's 44-yard line, where they had 56 yards in front of them. So it, it's all three phases, and that sounds like coach speak, and everybody kind of rolls their eyes, yeah, yeah, special teams, but it matters when you're muffing punts or you're not fielding them, and then the ball rolls 20 yards versus where it would have been had you taken it and, and you surrender six yards on every kick return because you won't fair catch it. All that stuff matters. So you've got to start on offense and special teams putting your defense in a better spot. As legit as they've been, you don't have the margin for error to keep doing this game after game and not have an opponent take advantage like NC State did. I mean, yeah, you said it. <laughs> Here's another thing. I don't really want to double down on that. If you were in a coma, uh-huh. Let's okay, l- l- I'll put it to you this way. You go into a coma in July after reading that the spread for this game was NC State by 14 or 17. Uh-huh. And you wake up right now and I say, "Rob, we lost by 13." Yeah. Are you are you in panic mode or are you shrugging shoulders like, okay, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. So I know we, we all saw a bunch of plays that we didn't like and calls that we disagreed with and all this stuff. Hey, you just showed me the final score a month ago. I'd have been like, yeah, that, that's about right. Where's the difference between the players and fans that are freaking out? And, and that's why I've mentioned this before on the podcast. That's why I love looking at lines. Even if I don't pick a game or right. bet on a game, it gives me a, like a baseline expectation. Okay, they're yeah. a touchdown favorite. If they win by two touchdowns, that'll be really impressive. If the other team wins, that's a decent size upset. Because I used to have no clue what the line was. And right. I was like, how did we lose that game? Is and it, I'm oh, like, well, oh, well, we were probably 13-point yeah. underdogs. That's why we lost the game. <laughs> right. Um, but the difference between players and fans is fans can absolutely sit there on Twitter and say, oh, we gave that game away. We shot ourselves in the foot. We muffed the punt. We had three turnovers. That came after that. We threw three interceptions. Donovan didn't make the right plays. Zach didn't make the right calls. That's what fans can say, right? And a lot of it deserved. The players can sit there in the post-game press conference like Tyree Wilson did and say, "Uh, Hey, Tyree, uh, what did they do better than you to win tonight? Uh, Nothing. They didn't do a damn thing better than us. We beat ourselves on to Texas. Because that's the culture in the locker room. The fans last night, 
freaking out, not the brand. Not the brand. Yeah. And in the locker room, they have the brand. Right. They did all the work. And so when fans come back at me and say, well, fans deserve, man, we got the right. We have our God-given sovereign right to say whatever the hell we want to on Twitter. Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. And you Uh, might sound like an idiot. You might sound like an idiot. But those players, they've done all the work. Me me and you, Kyle, we sit here and talk. Do we have a platform? Sure. It's... Do I think my voice matters than more than these idiot fans? No. And not all fans. I'm not saying all fans are right. idiots. I'm saying there are some idiot Certainly fans not. out there. But what I see is a defense that is improved tenfold. What I see is a quarterback who doesn't have the mental clock available to beat a bad offensive line. What I see is two running backs running hard every time their number's called. What I see is Rabbit chasing down a 25-yard run and punching the ball out for them not to score. I can look at a game last night with a lot of negatives and see positives that this team is doing. Would I have punted on fourth down? Yes. Do I get paid to make that call? No, Joey McGuire does. And if he believes that's the right call... Okay, if that situation comes up in three weeks and he does it differently, he learned. Is it also okay for our first-year collegiate head coach to take his lumps, just like a freshman quarterback would? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Or like, I mean, have you ever started a new job and you just killed it week one? No, I still don't kill it like in you, my job. I've been there seven years. That's part of what <laughs> makes guys like Mike Gundy. Yes. Like, there's no scenario that he hasn't faced before. Right. But like... With Joey, I'm not making excuses. Like again, I think some of these guys would own up to these mistakes. He hasn't been a head coach in six years. But he'd be like, Yeah, you know what? If I could rewind and do it again, I would do this instead, or I think it was the right call, it just wasn't executed, whatever the case may be. And again, we're not mad at the fourth and six because it was converted. Would not have been mad at the fourth and ten if that was converted. You know what they did last week? They converted a fourth and twenty. Right. I mean, so they had to, but yeah. Right. So yeah, and this is where I go back to to criticizing performance, criticizing decisions. Versus just insulting people. People yeah. in our mentions tagging Donovan and saying he's the he's the opponent's best offense. Yeah. Shut the hell up. Like, did you think he just loves that he threw a pick six? Like, he doesn't right. freaking know that? Zach Kittley didn't call the pick six play. No, he needs some idiot yeah. on Twitter to tag him. Yeah. Hey, man, maybe you shouldn't throw a pick six next time. Like, no, duh. I think he knows that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the type of fan I can't stand. And if you take issue with me saying that, then just unfollow us, whatever. I don't care. But, yeah. again... All four criticism. We've been critical of the performance of the Absolutely. play calling. Absolutely. But don't insult the team that you're rooting for and the people. I just think that's over the line. There was several tweets that I saw were over the line. And also in game two, three, game three, game two against a power five competition uh, for Joey McGuire, the, oh, Joey McGuire is just Matt Wells. Like, do you know who that fan You've is? You've had 10 it's, months of recruiting prowess and program building and community involvement to prove that the guy's not Matt Wells, but he makes one fourth down decision that we disagree with and we're just going to chalk it up to this guy's yeah. a power five loser? No, and Matt I'm Wells, not going to do that. And Matt Wells would have a top 20 recruiting class right now, right? Exactly. That's the kind of fan that... Oh, and then... Oh, you're cherry picking. No, you're cherry picking off one fourth down. We're basing a 10 month exodus from freaking the desert. Every well, bad call. We like the desert, but you know what I mean. I every bad to call is Matt call. Wells. Yeah. 
And that's the same fan that every single every single slot receiver is the next Wes Welker yeah. and every single quarterback because they have no reference point. All they know is like, right. oh, I turn on tech football for three hours, six times a year. They don't know the game. They've never played it. They don't know anything about it. And so everything's just like, oh, oh, I didn't like that. So it must be Matt Wells or Tuberville. It's just, it's a stupid. Bottom line, I trust Joey McGuire. And you can go 2-10 and 10 this year. I don't think you will. But you can go 2-10 and 10 this year, and reinforcements are on the way. A three-star offensive lineman committed last night because he saw the offensive line and said, hey, maybe I can play next year. <laughs> Jokes. That was a joke. That was a joke. And, uh, okay, if this but is, they did commit last night. If it's lineman. year three, and we feel like he's made the wrong call on every single fourth down, and he's never used timeouts to manage the clock properly, then sure, we can have a discussion. But in game three of year one, Starting your backup quarterback in the sixth career start on the road against the number sixteen team in the country. Let's let's tap the brakes a little bit. And also, if you don't want to be on the bandwagon, then don't be. Don't come crawling back three or four seasons from now when this thing is rolling. Go be a freaking TCU fan. Yeah. And pound your chest about the Matt Wells era and tech being sorry, but like, okay, there's no room left if you're gonna have that kind of attitude. Yeah, gonna right go now. ahead and double down with what we've been saying for months. Texas Tech football is going to be so good. Absolutely. And you saw it last night defensively. And you saw it last night with the reaction from Joey McGuire after the game. The The outpouring of love for Bryce Ramirez was awesome. But this fan base, and I know people say, well, it's all fan bases. But this fan base is soft after losses sometimes. And that is, a again... That is a 12-point loss, 13-point loss as a 10-point underdog. Um, I'm not into moral victories, but I can notice positives when I see him. And I don't think Zach Kitley's a lemon and will never get better. I think he will get better. Yeah, that's the other thing. Zach or they'll recruit to his offense, and then you'll be good that way. Zach Kitley didn't turn into an idiot overnight. Right. He elevated Western Kentucky's offense by 113 spots in total offense last season in one year. So... I don't know. M- miss me with all that crap, I guess. Uh, here's Chase. To be fair, those idiots typing that crap to Donovan typically don't listen to logic, so I doubt they listen to this. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, I hope they do. I hope they listen and learn. Again, I'm fine with criticism. I'm fine with analysis. I want people's opinions. Don't tag players. Don't insult them personally. And don't give me some no-duh or uneducated, hey, maybe don't throw a pick six next time. Oh, nice one. Maybe yeah. they should hire you as an analyst. They pressed the also, pick six button right before that play, I'm sure. Yeah, I love Twitter. I love live reactions. I, I do. I don't know, man. I do, I do. I love the live reactions, and I like watching games with the big community. I do, and I I savor it when we're winning, uh, but damn, it gets frustrating when you're losing. Um, and a lot of it is just people tagging coaches and players and, like, huge pro-tech fans who are like, so positive and sunshine pumping 99% of the time, calling the head coach a bitch because he doesn't go for it on fourth down or goes for it on fourth down. That's just doesn't make it doesn't compute. It doesn't compute to me. If they saw him in the grocery store tomorrow, they'd be no falling chance. all over themselves. Get to his go, autograph. To go get a picture, an get autograph a selfie, with him. Will yeah. you kiss my baby? Yeah. But he no, he's a bitch because he didn't take a timeout. It's wild to me. Don't wild. get it. Don't get it. Sorry uh, for the kids in the car. <laughs> and my mom and my, my mother-in-law. <laughs> my I didn't say that. I was quoting somebody. 
It's yeah, right. that you, makes you can right, say right? anything if you're quoting yeah. somebody. All right. Uh, hey, let's say that you know you were betting on that game, and that's why you're so upset. You don't have any money left. Maybe you need to pay your employees. Yeah, I'd call our friends over at Diversified Lenders. Cole Roberts and his dad, Don Roberts, former Texas Tech football players. They run the show over at Diversified Lenders, a local business. You can learn more about what they do at diversifiedlenders.com, but the gist of it is that they will help your business get the cash it needs to operate now. Not in five minutes, not in five days, now. So give them a call if you, if you need cash for your business. Uh, this question, which I love, would you have rather lost at home to Tulane or on the road to number 16 NC State? Again, losing by 13 yeah. as a 10-point dog is very well within the normal range of outcomes. Losing to a group of five team at home when you were a 14-point favorite. Like, I can't imagine what K-State Twitter was like yesterday. Oh, I, yeah. I, I would have just thrown my phone into the fire. Or when I also would much rather have Donovan Smith... Then Adrian Martinez, yeah, who had similar games, except he's had five years to start. At least you see the potential with Donovan. You go, okay, if he corrects this or Gosh, that, you, yeah. could, you could be moving the ball. Yeah. With Adrian Martinez, it's like he just doesn't even try to throw it downfield. Imagine year four with Donovan Smith playing exactly how he did the last two weeks, and that's what Kansas State fans are doing because Adrian Martinez did it all at Nebraska for four years. I watched the second half of that game. I don't remember them throwing the ball like more than five yards down. He was terrified. because they can't do it. He didn't want to make a play. All right. Uh, again, our Discord is huge, Kansas fans, and I don't understand it. Uh, does Kansas have a path to six wins? Three and zero, rock chalk, baby. Yes, they do. They're eight point favorites today, to, or yeah, for next Saturday to get to four and zero. So yeah. I'd, I'd say so. Um, yeah, they're going to beat Duke, be four and zero. You think they're not going to get up to play? And they absolutely, they absolutely can beat two more of these Big Twelve teams. Hey, right now, Texas Tech and Kansas play tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the line would be. Uh, I'm I'm sitting here saying right now, and I try to power rank the Big 12 every week, okay? Kind of. I don't really go through the whole thing, but uh, probably moving OU up to one. Uh, West Virginia's at 10. Yeah, and until further notice. And I don't know. I might slide Kansas past Texas Tech, and I might say Texas Tech is nine. TCU obviously didn't play. Maybe TCU is nine. Uh, Texas Tech, eight. Um, but in the Big 12 and in, in college football, an elite offense uh, moves the needle more than a, an elite defense, especially when it's an elite defense paired with uh, four turnovers a game and a dysfunctional special teams unit. Yeah. I thought the Cowboys blocked a punt, but they didn't. Yeah, by the way, I have uh, Cowboys plus eight. Easy money. I'd be fine with that. I mean, I think your your win over Houston looks a little bit diminished with what they are now. They're one and two with a win in overtime. And the team I'm talking about hammered them. So, yeah, I mean, you, you have to earn some respect there. And that's what I hated preseason when you got picked through like, oh, right. yeah. It was like, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you've been horrible for yeah. years. Not not horrible, but you have not been right. And what's crazy year in is, and year out. What's crazy is uh, just watching this weekend, Tech can beat Baylor. Mm-hmm. Tech can beat Kansas State. Iowa State. Tech can beat Iowa State. Tech can beat Kansas, but Kansas offense looks really good. It does. Really good. And I think I wasn't kidding earlier when I said Jalen Daniels is the best quarterback in the Big 12. I think Jalen Daniels and Dylan Gabriel um, probably won two any given day. Now, does Jalen Daniels have the supporting cast to be consistent the rest of the year? I don't know. 
Um, Their defense I, also doesn't look that good. No, the defense is not good. The defense is not good. Um, but if you get in a shootout, what does it matter now? Can they convert? Can you score 42 against every Big 12 team? I don't know. Uh, probably not. Uh, is Kansas in the top half of the Big 12? No, not yet. Not yet. Uh, but I think they're moving up past some teams. Yeah, like I wonder, I'd be really curious. Maybe we can ask our guy at Bovada. Every Big 12 team right now, if they played Saturday in Lawrence, what would the line be? Yeah. And just kind of get a feel for, okay, like if TCU went to Lawrence, if Tech went to Lawrence, if Iowa State went to Lawrence, what would the line be? Because Duke is going to Lawrence and it's minus eight. Right. Which is fairly substantial. Now, Duke is Duke would be a bottom-rung Big 12 team, but I'm just curious how that translates to the middle of the Big 12. Um, this off Discord, so when does this whole take things Take three things start. That was hard to say. Hopefully on Saturday. Hopefully. You haven't done it yet. We're going to talk about the opening line, and we'll get... You've been in position to some defensively. I think you probably had a position to to make some interceptions um, yesterday. Just off, Dunlap was right there, past deflections. Um, You forced one fumble. Uh, Obviously, take three is... Correcting the offense, too, because it's a team take three thing. But yeah, You'd like to net two or three. Yeah. If you take three and give four, it doesn't right. really do you any good. Um, but, I mean, this defense is playing well enough to get turnovers. Some, some of it is turnovers are lucky. Mm-hmm. Some of it, turnovers. Like, that pick six, Donovan threw it right to the guy. Right. That, wasn't a, that wasn't an outstanding defensive play. Donovan threw it right to the safety. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm also not going to gripe about, like, I think there was a time when Texas Tech's defenses weren't very good, so it was sort of a boom or bust. Like, they're either going to score or you're going to force a turnover. Yeah. Now I think you can force a ton of punts yeah. with how well you've played. So I'm like, I would love to have a turnover, of course. I also don't think you necessarily need it to be successful with the way your defense is bowed up, even though they've been put in bad spot after bad spot over and over this season. I'm going to... Assume what this question is and rephrase it. How long of a leash does Donovan have Saturday? I think he has a leash where if he plays, if he's playing negative football, I think you'll try Baron Morton. I think yeah, if he's first playing, half. If he's playing plus football, maybe you work in a drive like we've been talking about. But I don't think it has to just get dreadful for Barron to get a shot. I think it's like, okay, if, it, if it's halftime and Donovan is, let's say, 12 of 20, zero touchdowns, one interception, yeah, I'd maybe expect to see some Barron. Now, there's a chance Barron's floor is even lower, but also there's a chance that he ignites something and right. does something a little bit different to move the ball. Power rank Big 12 quarterback so far, even if it's group ABC. Group- All right, A group. Jalen Daniels. Yep. Dylan, Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel. Uh-huh. Is Spencer Sanders in that group for you? Yes. I mean, experience and performance, yes. Unless I'm blanking, I think that's it for group one. Yeah. Group two, I'd put shaping based on potential, not performance to this point. Yeah. I'd put JT Daniels. I mean, yes. The pit game, yes. Hunter Deckers. Yeah. Basically, I'm not thrilled with Tier 2, per se. Uh, Max Duggan. Like, th- these to me are average quarterbacks. 
I think historically Max Duggan probably doesn't deserve it, but the Tarleton game, yes. He's won some games in the Big 12. He's beaten Texas Tech. Duggan? He's beaten He's other, a losing record. He's beaten other teams in Texas Tech, right? He's by about 500. Again, Tier 2 not terribly impressive to me. Right. I think total above 500. No, I think total right under 500, so probably not even in the Big 12 500. Is... Donovan Smith, who was Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week last week in Tier 2? He would be the bottom of Tier 2, maybe. Okay. He, I mean, he's had the worst QBR in the league twice, even though last year he was Big 12 Player of the Week. So I think that's everybody except Adrian Martinez. Yeah, Adrian Martinez is the worst quarterback in the Big 12. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah, I think it is fair. So, I, and I guess we'll see more separation. Like, is, I think... I think it's kind of a wide spectrum within tier two that we just listed. And I think it'll break into four tiers eventually. You'll we'll have a second tier that might be a guy like Shapin, who kind of emerges but isn't quite tier one. And then, yeah, tier three would be guys that you're probably not going to win a lot of games with, like a Max Duggan. Like, I think Duggan and Shapin are fairly far apart, in my opinion. Uh, Josh Young had another home run. Of course he did. They lost, though. Of course um, they did. I think that's all we have. I thought we had a way more questions than that. Uh-uh. Unless I probably need to scroll back to yesterday. Because <laughs> they were popping them off uh, yeah, no, like, think, during the game. I think we do. Or last night after the game. Yeah, after the game. Huh? I think I got them all. Okay. Sometimes it's hard to tell because uh, the Discord is so hot <laughs> during games. Yeah. You get a lot of action. Uh, and really, game day is like 48 hours because you have it, you know, all the way up to the game. And then the following day, there's a lot of NFL talk just off the, off the board. I want to say one more thing. I don't mean this to come across as arrogant. Uh-huh. I know more than the average fan does. Yeah. I'm not perfect in my analysis. I'm wrong a lot of the times. Well, the average fan doesn't rewatch the game three times on Sunday morning. Well, so here's what I was going to say. If you're watching live and you haven't seen a replay, you probably don't know what you're talking about. Yes. It, you have to go watch a play multiple times to see what, the, what happened with the pass protection. Yep. What routes were run. Uh-huh. What was the coverage? What was the blitz scheme? Yes. But people just watch one and they're like, oh, he should have thrown it over here instead. Like, Shut up. You might be right, but you don't know that. Does that make sense? Yes. So everybody watched the game once, no replays. They've got it all figured out. We need a quarterback change. The offensive coordinator sucks. Should have punted here. Should have called that timeout. Shut up. <laughs> like, sorry. Yeah. I agree. Because, like, I, I relearned some stuff. Like, I basically try not to jump to conclude. Like, okay, yeah, when I see a QB sneak on third and three, I'll call that a bad play call. Yeah. But there are other times where I'm like, okay, what happened here? Okay, Tharp was open and he missed him. Should have been a different read, and that sort of changed what happened on fourth and ten, and you go from there. But you, you cannot you cannot possibly pick up on all of that unless you're just some like Sean McVay savant watching the game one time. I bet if Sean McVay were sitting here and we asked him um, to watch a broadcast from his couch, he would say, "I don't know what happened," because Sean McVay knows. There's stuff happening off screen and there's stuff happening on the headsets that we aren't privy to. 
That's the other thing. So the offensive coordinator, Coles, will play on the sideline. Right. He's got eight grad assistants and analysts up in the booth. Uh-huh. So when Donovan throws a pick six, Kelly goes, hey, what happened right there? Yes. And he's got eight guys who are paid to do this, telling him, okay, well, they gave us a cover two look, then they rolled it down, and it was cover three, you know, whatever. Like, so some fan on goes, oh, yeah, he shouldn't have thrown it over there. Bad quarterback. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. I hate that crap. Like, they're just so certain of themselves. And it's it's just stupid. Like, rewatch the game three times. Pause it. Rewind on key plays. Tell me what happened. Like, if you can tell me how many men were in the box after a play with no with no replay, yeah, then I'll maybe believe that you know what you're talking about. And, again, stream of conscious tweetering is uh, tough to do. It's tough to do. I don't like doing it generally. Um, yeah, I fire them off. I comment on the game. I'm wrong sometimes. It's okay. It's also okay to not know. Yeah. I A lot of times I say, you know, did I see this right? Yeah. Uh, that's what happened on the pick six. I said, what, what happened? Yeah. Was there a miscommunication? What was the deal? And it's okay to say, you know what? I don't know what kind of coverage they were running there, so I don't know where he should have gone with the ball instead. Yeah. I also, I'll again. Need to, I'll need to rewatch that tomorrow to figure out what happened there. I don't want this to come off as like telling you not or like telling people how to be a fan be a fan however you want but be prepared to be called out if you're being an idiot fan (laughs) that's all i'm saying yeah that is all i'm saying all right uh let's move to the previewing the lines that are coming out yeah we got our opening lines from circa good matchups across the big 12 now oklahoma state is on a bye so i have a couple non-conference games Kansas, TCU, West Virginia are all non-con. But it's a compelling matchup. So besides the Kansas State OU game, which we'll get to, yeah. all these are one-possession spreads. We'll start with Texas and Texas Tech. I'm conflicted. Came out Texas minus five. The total is 67 and a half. I'd lock in the under right now. Yes, and not me look too. Back. Yeah. I'm Probably also going to pick Texas minus five, but... It's already gone up to 58 and a half. 68 and a half? Oh, sorry. Gone down to 58 and a half. At what book? Consensus. Interesting. Circa sometimes is... I mean, that was off. That circle line was but, off. I mean, if you can buy it... But they, but they take a lot higher minimum bets at the open than yeah. other books, and so I think they're confident in their numbers. Yeah, Caesars and Points bet uh, both opening at 58 and a half instead of where uh, circuited. I hope I didn't just see it wrong. I'll double check. I can, I've can. i got it right here. Yeah, it's 67 and a half at Circa. Yeah, and that's what we'll put on the pick'em, and hopefully it's a free under for everybody. <laughs> I don't know. Texas minus five to me was surprising. I thought it was going to be one of those... Not Texas not folks. I double hit the buttons. That's all right. I thought it was going to be one of those tweener lines between 10 and 14, like 11, 12 and a half. I was thinking eight at least, yeah. And it comes out at five. And usually when I'm shocked by a line, I go opposite of my gut because Vegas is obviously smarter than me. But I can't. I mean, Texas minus five. And we'll get into the preview, but I'm I'm worried about Bijan Robinson. I'm worried about Sarkeesian's offense, exploiting some of your weaknesses. Texas minus five seems like a good bet to me. I'd probably lock that in today. And then if it happens to move down even more in Texas Tech's favor, I'd probably double down. But... It kind of reminds me of that game in 2012 when West Virginia was ranked number four or five in the country, and they came here in their favorite by like four, four and a half. 
and you're like, what's the deal? Like, we just got smoked by OU. Now a top five team comes to our house, and we're only four and a half point dogs. Right. Makes me suspicious that you're going to, like, come out and win outright, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm on... I'm going to lock that in early. I know we don't usually lock stuff in on Sunday, but to me that's a really enticing number before it gets to six or seven. I think I'll I'll bet minus five um, or at least log it and see where the action is later in the week and then maybe pivot or hedge or do something else. Because if that, if that line blows to, you know, minus seven, seven and a half, um, or even gets... Yeah, I just, I, I don't know where the action would be because I can't even, I don't know. I'm just surprised at it because you, you've trended know. down. <laughs> yeah, I think versus the spread. First yeah. week you cover, second week it's basically a push depending on where you got the number. Third week you fail to cover. Texas has covered all three weeks, played Alabama close than anybody thought they would, pulled away from UTSA, win that game by 20 points. I, I was expecting a basically a one touchdown difference from right. where it came out at circle. Yeah. I thought this was going to be a better matchup. Kansas State, who I've really cooled on after this last week, goes to Norman. OU favored by 13, total 55.5. K-State's gone 0-3 versus the over. OU's offense looks legit. I know K-State's defense is legit. Yeah. They have to go over eventually, and I like OU to cover. Just And maybe K-State has a huge bounce-back game. They've gotten up to play OU a couple times in the climbing era. Yep. But that's my initial lean. I'm not locking anything in yet. That's kind of my gut feel at, at the open. Uh, yeah, I would wait on this one. If it crosses 14 to 14 and a half, I would take Kansas State. If it closes less than 14 and a half, I'm taking Oklahoma. Kansas, eight-point favorites at home against a Power 5 team. I wonder the last time they were favored by more than a touchdown against a Power 5 team. Yeah, be I don't a good know. Homework the action consensus open at seven and a half. It's already to nine. And they're, of course, 3-0 and against the spread. At some point, they're not going to cover. Duke, also 3-0 and to their credit. They beat Temple. They beat an FCS team. I don't know who their third game was against. I guess not a Power 5 opponent if they're rounding out the non-con. Did they play an ACC opponent already? Duke? Yeah, they must have, right? Or did they play four non-conference games in the ACC? Yes, they, were, okay. they play eight, yeah. So anyway, that one's curious. I thought that's where college game day should have gone. I know I already griped about this on our last episode. You can go to Knoxville any season you want. Yep. You cannot go to Lawrence most football seasons. This is a great storyline. Two 3-0 and teams that nobody expected to be there. They should have been in Lawrence. They beat uh, Northwestern, Temple, and <coughs> North Alabama. Sorry? I don't know. Total is 60.5. Kansas always goes over. That's not a terribly high number. That'd be, what, a 34 to 24 type game? Yeah. Or 34-27 with where the spread is? I would take the over with Kansas offense. Oh, my math was wrong there. That'd be like a 38 yeah. to 31 type. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess you just ride with the hot hand. They've got a great offense. Duke probably doesn't have a great defense. Kansas might be able to get 42 of that on their own. Yeah, I mean, if it's 34-28... You're right there. This is an interesting one. I think kind of the Big 12 game of the week. We'll learn a lot about both of these teams. Baylor goes to Ames as a two-point favorite at the Open. Total is only 43.5. I think these are both teams that right now I'd put in the middle of the Big 12. 
and a, a, an impressive win would sway me one way or the other. Baylor has kind of struggled on the road in recent seasons. That's where they seem to have all their troubles. Yeah. Iowa State, I don't know if you'd call their win over Iowa impressive, but it was it was a win. <laughs> Iowa just kind of plays ugly football, so I, it, it's hard to take a lot away from that. But I'll have my eyes on that one for sure. I think that's a good matchup. And hopefully we'll learn a little bit about Blake Shapin as well, who I was really high on coming into the season. If he performs well against an Iowa State defense that has played well to this point in the season, I'll, I'll come away impressed. I mean, I think at this point it's just Iowa State's at home, so I'll lean them. If it's a pick em, I'll just do Iowa State, you know, money line. I probably would too. Just but Ames making is a the tough call place to play, and they're it, not an easy out. No, and I, again, I would like to see – uh, where the line moves. Same with TCU and, and SMU. Like right now, I guess I would lean SMU just because it's at home. But again, Power 5, non-Power 5. Does that matter that it's at home? No, that's what I'm saying with Power 5, non-Power 5. I would just lean Power 5 in this one. I think so too. The The total's really high in that one, 66 and a half. Yeah. My action consensus is 69 and a half. We'll see how it settles out. I might go with the under just because that's a big number. And I'm yeah. not that confident in... Two teams with with their first year of an offensive coordinator. Right. TCU still playing with a backup quarterback as far as I know. I think Duggan will still be, unless there's been an update. Hard there. to call him a backup quarterback. Yeah, that's fair. West Virginia, I kind of feel bad for them. Their two biggest games this season were in week one and week three against teams that aren't conference opponents. They lose the backyard brawl. They get Virginia Tech. That's a pretty big rivalry game. Two-point favorites in Blacksburg. Virginia Tech, not very good. They lost to Old Dominion. Total was only 51 and a half. Yeah, I don't know what to do here. I'm, I uh, will certainly wait and probably chase a closing line on this one. I might just fade the steam, whichever way it goes. Yeah, because I think this line will move. I'm just not sure which way it's going gonna, it's gonna to move. We mentioned the total for TCU-SMU. Don't know if we mentioned the line. It came out as a pick em yeah. for Circa, so... No, yeah, I was kind no of doubling down on the Iowa State pick them. So, yeah, some some interesting games. I think we'll learn a lot about TCU. I don't really know about West Virginia because that's a low-end opponent they're playing. I think we'll learn a lot about Baylor, Iowa State. I think we'll learn a lot about Texas Tech and Texas. You feel like uh, anything is a lock right here? Would you lock anything in? I'll lock Texas minus five right now. Well, I'm not going to do that. I'll get into why on our preview episode. And I haven't actually watched a ton of them. I just think that a lot of what they're good at or potentially good at might exploit some of your weaknesses. I was trying to set up an air horn that we hadn't played in two weeks, but I'm not going to air horn you locking in Texas just, minus it's five. A borderline shocking line. Like I don't know if I would say shocking. Under a touchdown? I thought it would be a touchdown. I thought it was going to be. But I think that just means Texas Tech's defense is getting respect. Probably. They have not played anybody like B. John Robinson, though. True. True. And B. John closed out that other game. B. John Johnson closed out the other game against uh, UTSA. So here's an interesting thing that I actually didn't know. Um, they're, what's his name, Overshawn? Uh-huh. Demarion Overshawn. Ejected for targeting, which yep. they review. Uh-huh. After they review it, the Big 12 gets to review it. Yes. And they can reinstate him. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. So I, he sacked the quarterback, face mask to face mask, um, did not lower his helmet, but did launch. 
and headbutted the guy face mask to face mask. Um, Spirit of the Rule in the past, not targeting. Uh, Spirit of the Rule this year, I think it's targeting. And I think, I mean, I don't think you should be suspended for the next game. I think you should just miss the rest of the game you're playing. So it wouldn't be like some unreasonable thing if he did play against Texas Tech, but it was targeting. You can't you can't headbutt a guy face mask to face mask, especially the quarterback. There should be, like in basketball with flagrant one and flagrant two, there should be targeting one and targeting two. Because sometimes guys are being dumbasses yeah. and are trying to hurt somebody, and they deserve to be ejected, suspended, whatever. Right. That was not the case with Overshawn. Other times a guy like trips, and so a guy thought he was going for the waist and winds up hitting heads with him, and he gets ejected, and I think that's stupid. I think there's, there should be some level of judgment for intent, which I'm usually not a fan of putting more subjective things like intent into the ref's hands. But there's some obvious like malicious plays, and there's some ones that are obviously not malicious, and I think there should be a distinction with how you're penalized for that. Agreed. Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Love Texas Tech fans. <laughs> I do. Me too. Love our passion. I do too. I think sometimes it gets a little bit misguided and and it's okay to not know everything sometimes. But so, it's such a... You're saying it though. Don't stop. No. Right? Don't stop. Be be passionate. Be crazy. But also don't be an idiot. Well. Don't tag players. Yeah. It's a thin line. It's a thin line. And I think just as long as people are self-aware, there's a self-aware fan that is a prominent overreactor uh, that said that today, and I, I applaud her for that. I don't know what you're referencing, but I don't know if the line is that thin. Never tag a player with with a negative. Uh there's a thin line between passion and crazy, is what I was oh, saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, before you hit send, ask yourself, is this a criticism of a decision or a play, or is this an insult to a person? Yeah. That's a dumb play call, and you're an idiot are two different things. Yeah. Agreed. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So keep all that passion. When we win the Twitter National Championship or whatever poll we won, and we get a billboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we show up at the USA and are rowdy and all that, that's great. Like, channel that and funnel that in a good way. Don't tag the offensive coordinator and call him an idiot. Right. Or just panic in game three of year one of the new regime. Like, what are we doing? Everybody's lost their... Let's... Okay. Yeah. It's okay to put the phone down sometimes. It's okay to say, you know, I'm going to wait five minutes and see if I still want to tweet that. And I'm guilty of this. Like, I tweet stuff and I delete it. I'm like, you know what? That could be misperceived, whatever. Or... Especially in the moment. I get it. Just... Stop tweeting and find a group chat. There's a guy yeah. that his name's Joseph. I don't know if his real name's Joseph, but this dude blows me up every negative moment in my DMs. There are hundreds of DMs from this guy. Unhinged DMs. But he's funneling those into a private forum, right? Find you a private forum. Don't DM me. I hate it, but Find you a private. You don't have to put everything out in public that uh, that you think, right? Yeah. And oh, here's another strategy. That's another struggle I have, but I just I'm talking to myself too. I'll type up a tweet. Which button is the bleep out? I'll type out a tweet that has like of those in it, and 
and I want to send it and I'll type it out and like, I wish I could call this guy a, you know, ever. And I'll screenshot it. I don't tweet. I screenshot it. I send it to Rob and I go, I wish I could blow yeah. this guy up with this tweet. Yeah. But I don't. And what do I say generally? You say, do it. <laughs> and I say, no, I'm not going to do it. So anyway, look. Yeah. If anyone thought we we're going to hire McGuire, which I'm so glad we did. Yes, I'm still glad we did. And then just, we're going to win the next 800 games in a row. Yeah. I, I'm sorry that was your expectation. And you know what? You're going to lose five more maybe. Yeah, especially when you're a 13-point dog on the road or a 10-point yeah. dog on the road to the number 16 team in the country. You're going to lose that game sometimes. You're going to lose a game, yes. I still think you're going to build up to being a great football program in the new Big 12. I'm excited for this coach staff. I love it. I just want our fans to be a little bit wiser. Not smarter because that's – I'm not calling anybody dumb. It's just wiser. And I know it's hard in the heat of the moment. I, I've yeah. done it. I still do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, we'll do it too. I'll probably just go back and delete it really quick. And again, a lot of this stuff we're saying, we're talking to each other and to ourselves. I, I think we can all learn. And or to a small minority. I didn't to see, a very small minority. I didn't see yes. 500 people no. atting Zach Kitley. Right. But the two or three that, of you that did, fix that for the next game. Please. Yeah, and don't call Joey McGuire a bitch. He's not. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> and that was just one guy. Love everybody. Love the sponsors. Go gear up at Cardinals or online if you're not coming to Lubbock or Plano. Shout out to Reno Barbecue, Diversified Lenders. And join the Discord. $5 a month. That Discord is hopping. You get access to interviews. Did you see? I'll, I'll end on this note. We, we made our Sonny Cumbie interview public. Yes, still public. One of my favorite interviews we've done along with like Dallas Braden and those guys. Just because he, it's impossible to not root for Sonny Cumbie. Yes. Once you talk to him. And he, he played Clemson in Death Valley. They lose, but they cover. That's important, right? Good good teams win, great teams cover. Yeah. After the game, I didn't know this. I think there was either a prominent Clemson fan or maybe a staffer. Player. A player. His sister. His sister. Player's sister died of brain cancer. And before the game, I guess Clemson fans have had like T-shirts of support with this person's name on them. And Sonny Cumbie comes out wearing his normal coaching gears, La Tech hat, and he's wearing one of these Clemson shirts with her name on it. Had every single player on his team write a handwritten letter to the family of that Clemson coach or player, excuse me. And so Dabo was talking about in the post game, like, you know, I didn't know Sonny Cumbie before this, but I'm a fan of his for life. So I thought that was a really cool. It's one of those things, just like when Bryce Ramirez broke his leg and we all saw that and you're like, you know what, the game's going to be on pause for a few minutes while they get him off the field. And you just kind of remember that there's some things bigger than the final score in the game we're watching. Sonny Cumbie, Amazing person. Doesn't surprise me at all that his team did that, but one of those things that makes the sport of college football really special, makes him easy to root for. And so all that to say, we've got some great interviews on there as well, including Sonny Cumbie. Would love for you all to join us in the Patreon community. It's $5 a month. Proceeds, Some of the proceeds go to the Matador Club every month. And uh, we have a good time in the Discord server as well. So we'd love to have you all over there. Love you all. Love you all.